uh, verses here down and understand what is being told to us here because a lot is being told. And actually, when we get into this, you're going to see that all of the parables that he has taught so far, he is basically bringing them to a culmination right here. Right in this one parable. Now, I brought in a couple of other translations. And Daryl was kind enough to throw them up there on the screen for us. So Ethel's going to be moving us around in them. And we are going to go around a little bit in this because I want you to see some of the things that are brought out in this. Weist brings this out. He said to them, Because of this, every man learned in the sacred scriptures who has accepted the precepts and instructions with reference to the kingdom of heaven is like a man who has a master of a house who is of such a character that he dispenses with hearty enjoyment out of his treasure, treasure house, things new as to quality, and also things mellowed with age by reason of use. Now, we're not going to get into everything that is, that's here just yet. We're going to, first off, I want to take a look at these things about the instructed. What is he talking about as far as instructed is concerned? Weiss puts it this way. He puts it, learn. Every man learned in the sacred scriptures who has accepted the precepts and instructions. We hear that word scribe and we begin to think of the group of people in the New Testament, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. But this word means more than just that group. That group was called this, but this word means more than that. And it actually, the, the Pharisees had their scribes The Sadducees had their scribes. The ones that were the most accepted by the by the people were the scribes that were of the Pharisees. Because if you remember, if you were here on a Wednesday night, we actually broke down for you where the Sadducees came from, where the Pharisees came from, and where the scribes came from when we were in the book of Ezra. As we looked at the ministry that Ezra altered, it seems like anyway, he altered the ministry of the scribe a little bit. And from that day forward, Possibly even before, but at least from that day forward, the ministry of the scribe was different. So we have the scribe that is talked about here, and we hear that, and and it has a negative connotation for us. We don't think of anything real good. So when we're being called a scribe, we may lose some of the meaning here. So I want us to get into exactly what this, this looks at. Let me look at a few other translations. The New Living Translation puts it this way. Then he added, Every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven, is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old. Every teacher of religious law. Now, I don't love the part of religious law there. Now, if you have the New Living Translation, I'm going to, I think as we go through here, I'll show you some things. I like the New Living Translation. I don't love it. But I like it. They, but they do some things every once in a while and I'm scratching my head and I say, mm, this is why you always want to have a base translation to work from. For me, my base translation is the New King James Version. Some people may have the King James Version. Uh, just make sure that your base translation is solid. If your base translation is the New Living Translate, is the New, um, I'm sorry, the, uh, the NIV, you're going to have some problems. If, if it is a paraphrase, like the message or the living Bible, things like that, if it's a paraphrase, you're going to have some problems. You have to have a good base translation that you have learned to trust. I pretty much trust the New King James. Some of the people that I have uh, as teachers, uh, Rick Renner loves the New Living Translation. There's a few other people that love the New... I don't love it. I like it. 
but there are some things they get into. And when you compare it to some of the others, oh, wait a minute, why did they do that? You, you can catch up on, on some of this. But teachers of religious law, I wouldn't put it that way, and it's not necessarily something you find from the text. But every, every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple, the part there that I wanted you to see, they, they have that in there. This is more than just, this is becoming a disciple. This is more than just being instructed. This is, this is being instructed so that the teachings get down on the inside of you and you become a disciple. The disciples that he has, he's instructing them. They are instructed people, but they're getting it down the inside so that they can become a disciple. And that's what he's referring to here as far as his householder. The ESV, the English Standard Version. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven, every scribe who has been trained, there's a training process there. In the discipleship process, there is a training process. If you just go out to learn what the Bible says, you will not live up to what this verse is talking about. There is a training process that needs to be there. There is an understanding of the words that are taught that get on the inside of us, and that understanding comes by us putting into action. That By us putting into action, there comes a training from it. The Amplified reads it this way, And he said to them, Therefore, every teacher and interpreter of the sacred writings who has been instructed about and trained for the kingdom of heaven, and has become a disciple. Every teacher and interpreter. So he's looking at the aspect of this word that not only are you a teacher, but you're able to interpret it. That's what the scribe was supposed to do. They were instructed on the the ways of the Bible so that they would be an instruction. They would be an instructor for for people. What What does the Bible mean? What does the law mean when it says this? And so you would bring this to them and they would help explain the uh, scriptures for you. That you have been instructed about and trained for the kingdom of heaven and has become a disciple. So we do that, all that, so that you see that when he says, therefore every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven, there's a lot more in it than just as what is in the, the King James Version or the New King James Version. So we went into some of these. But let's take a look at this word instructed is the Greek word, Matheteo, it is a student or disciple who is learned and being trained. A student or disciple who is learning and being trained. It's only used four times in, in the Bible. There's some other offshoots of this word that are used more often. Matthew twenty seven fifty seven uses it as one who is who was a disciple. They were called a disciple. That's the only time that is used. Three times it's used with a more specialized meaning of making a disciple. And that's here, Matthew twenty eight nineteen and Acts fourteen twenty one. Um, I'm not sure if I wrote those in your outline or not. I, I, I meant to if I, I didn't. I just wanted to give you a place if you wanted to go and look at this. This is what this word, this, this is where else this word is being used. Now, a scribe is one who has learned in the scriptures for the purpose of understanding, teaching, and interpreting. A scribe is one who has learned in the scriptures. You study the scriptures for the purpose of understanding teaching and interpreting so when he uses this word he's using it in such a way that we're relating a household to a scribe a person who receives instruction for the purpose of training for the purpose of instructing for the purpose of explaining what the scriptures mean in um he's he's talking about being instructed in the kingdom of heaven and the things of the kingdom of heaven not philosophy 
and not world wisdom. There are some people that pass themselves off as disciples, what he, we're talking about scribes here, but they're more aware of what philosophy teaches. They're more aware of worldly wisdom, not things concerning the kingdom of God. That's where we need to be. And this is what the comparison is made to. So when he says the kingdom of God is like, when he says this is, this is what we're, this is what we're relating to. So we have to fully understand what he's relating to in order to fully get out of here the meaning. So when he says, therefore every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven, it has to be concerning the kingdom of heaven, not religious law. Not thou shalt and thou shalt not. He wants you instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven. And he's giving parables about the kingdom of heaven. He has just finished a series of parables about the kingdom of heaven. And he's concluding here. Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven. Jesus have asked if they understood the things that he had just taught them concerning the kingdom of heaven. They said yes. I think he knows they probably didn't quite get it as much as they needed. But let's move on. We want to take a look at this other word here. And that is the word treasure. Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. Now, first off, let's take a look at this, this householder. A householder, this is the person who's in charge of the house. How many people have somebody in your house who's in charge of the house? Of course you do. Can be the husband, could be the wife, could be both. Maybe different ones take, care, take on different aspects of the house. But somebody's in charge of the house. You may not have somebody that you hire for the purpose of being a householder. But every house has a householder. Every house has something going on in which they will, they will take this over. We were, uh, uh, for lack of, of uh, better things to, to watch on TV, my, my wife and I have, I, I started, a, a, I don't know, a, a while back, taping the series Numbers. Anybody remember the series Numbers? Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the series Numbers. It was, it was a neat way of, of looking at math. And uh, you can't really find that streaming anywhere. So uh, I just set it up. It was coming on one of the Hallmark stations or some, not Hallmark, uh, one of the uh, stations that we have on uh, family TV. And so we set it up. And so it's been recording. So we were watching a little while. And in the beginning of the first series, I thought it was interesting that uh, the dad owned the house that the uh, guy who was the mathematician lived in. And over the course of this season, he's getting ready to sell the house which means that Charlie will no longer have a place to live. And uh, throughout the course of this, this thing, Charlie decided he's going to buy the house. So he bought the house anonymously and then announced it to his dad, I'm the one who's buying the house. I say all that to say this. The house had some flaws and it made some noises. And just as he announced that he bought the house, the house made one of its noises and it had something to do with the heater. And so the... Um, father had said to him, he says, well, I hope you realize what you, uh, what you got yourself into. He said, I've been living here for most of my life. I think I have an idea. What a, oh, good, good. And it made this, no, this noise. And so the dad would get up and he said, well, that would be the heater calling your name. And you will find a wrench downstairs. You're a smart guy. I'm sure you can figure it out. What happened? He became the householder. He became the guy who then has to make the decisions as to what shall we do. Now you've had to make decisions about your household. Sometimes something will go, maybe the heater in your house is not doing so well, and you have to decide, should we fix it or not? 
should we do something with it? Now we've had uh, we every once in a while we have somebody come on by. We have a heat pump. You know, you got to have somebody come on by and maintenance. But our heater is the most inactive heater anywhere in the world. It just doesn't get used. It's a heater and air conditioner, and um, it is. It was there when we bought the house. We've had the house for twenty years, and it was there before. And I don't. It's it is old. The last guy who came by told us. He says, uh, if this thing ever breaks down, don't fix it. Don't fix it. It is not worth. It, it is too old. If you whatever breaks on it, just replace the whole thing. And so we know that, but we just don't use the heater. In the wintertime when it's cold, we have wood, and I go out and get the wood, and we bring the wood in, and we burn the wood, and, and uh, we have the warm room that's there, and we don't really care how cold it is upstairs because you go upstairs, you're going to bed, got blankets on, you're in good shape. And in the, uh, in the summer, uh, we're just not air conditioning people, and uh, I'm, out in the, uh, I'm either out in the shop, maybe I'm down over here. Uh, air conditioning is just not something that, we, that I get. Uh, we don't have air conditioning out in the shop. So I'm used to sweating. And so we just don't, it doesn't get used in the summer. It doesn't get used in the winter. Every once in a while, you know, we have some guests over and then we got to turn it on <laughs> because they, they probably like the, the heat up a little bit more. And, and so we have to do that. You know, sometimes when the grandkids are over, we have to find ways to make sure the, the, the heat is, is warmer or uh, cool it off or do different things like that. But you would have to decide, should we fix this? Or should we replace it? That's a householder. Because what you have to do is you have so much resources. Everybody has, some people have less limited resources than maybe you do, but everybody has a limit to the resources. How much is it worth to fix this? Or is it worth it to just go and buy a new one? You face that when your car goes in for an inspection and they come out and they say, your car is going to need this much work. Oh realize it needed that much work. So now you have to decide, should I take the few thousand dollars they're saying to fix it, or should I go out and buy a new one? That's a householder decision. You have to make these decisions and decide, how am I going to take the assets I have, the uh, income I've got, where am I best applying this? What am I best putting it towards? And so these are the things of the householder. So he is relating this to a house owner, and so he says, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven, everyone who, is, who receives instruction for the purpose of becoming a disciple, instructing and helping other people, is like a householder who brings out of his treasure. Brings out, and we want to look at this word here for treasure. This, you're going to recognize this word for treasure. If I, le- I left it in your outline there, how many can see what word that you see out of this word? The word for treasure is the word Thesaurus, which we got our word, thesaurus, from this. Because a thesaurus is a treasury of words. So that's why they use this this word to describe it. That's why it's called a thesaurus, because it is a treasury of words. What it contains is words, and they are seen as a treasure. Now, I use a thesaurus all the time. I don't have a written one. I have an online one. I love my online one. In fact, it's got a button up at the top of my browser that says thesaurus. It's right there. I just click that and I go. Because a lot of times when I'm putting together an outline and I have, all right, well, I'm thinking about this word, but I'm not sure that that word really describes it quite so much. 
And so I go over to this one. This, if you have never used an online one of these, oh my, are you in for a treat. You go in online and you, you type in the word that you want to do and you get all these. Uh, the one I use, it gives me three color-coded uh, options. It gives me the red, which is the most close to it, the orange, which is in the middle, and then the yellow. This might have something to do with it. And then you can look over that and decide, hmm, that one right there is better. Let's click on that. And you click on that, and now you get a whole bunch of words that are in that area. Now, if you scroll down on the, on the screen more, it's going to give you different aspects of the first word that you put in. Here's one aspect of it, and here's some words that mean this. Or, you, or you're looking at this aspect of it, or you're looking at this aspect. You can refine it a little bit uh, better for, for what you're looking for. And so I'm able to come out of there with some words. And, uh, all right, I was going to use this word, but this word is far better for, for uh, fixing this up or doing what we want. So it's a treasury of words. And so he says that every, every disciple who is learning the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner or like a householder who brings from his storeroom, who brings from his storeroom or treasure. Uh, let me read the New Living Translation for you. Every teacher of religious law becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom treasure, treasury, or storeroom. He puts it storeroom here, and it could certainly be translated that way, the way this, this word is. He's got a storeroom. He's got a treasury. He's got something for which to pull from. Now, thinking back then, they had different places to put their treasures. You have uh, an account. And when you have things you're paid for, you put it in your account. And so you have money that is in there that you can use to help out with the household. You can uh, go online and you can pay bills that are for the household. You can go online and you can uh, utilize that money in different ways to fix things up. But this is a place where you keep something valuable or secured or hidden. And so I brought uh, one of the kids' treasure boxes from home. We do have that big wooden one, but that would be a little tough for me to carry. And so what it's talking about is that you have a storehouse, you have a place in which you keep treasures. And so we would have, for them, you know, they would have different types of maybe gemstones or, or jewelry or gold or silver or coins. Uh, they, I don't know how much they had paper money at that time, but these were the things that they would have, and they would have some place that they would put it so that when they needed it, all right, well, we need to fix this. we got to repair the roof up there. And so we got to do some things in that area. If you remember in the Old Testament in which Joseph was, was uh, forewarned about a crisis that would come up. And so what he wants to do is says, we got to make storehouses that are sufficient that when the crisis comes, we have storehouses to take care of it. And so he became the householder. He became the one who would oversee all this to make sure that enough was stored away during the good years so that they would survive the other years. So there needs to be a treasury. There needs to be a storeroom. There needs to be a place for which you would put these things. This word was used for the wise men when they came and they opened their treasures. This is what it was talked about. This exact word is there. They came and they opened their storehouses. They opened their treasuries. And they presented their gifts to, to Jesus. In Matthew 13, 52. I'm sorry. Um, Matthew 6, 19. Not lay up for, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy 
and where thieves break in and steal. In other words, don't just have treasuries here on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures or have treasuries in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he says, don't take the thing that you're going to store all your valuables in and make them be things of the earth only. Do you need to have one that's going to house your spiritual treasures and that needs to be in heaven where no thief can get at it. In Matthew 12, 35, a good man out of the good treasure or treasury of his heart brings forth good things. You can also put storehouse there. That your heart is a storehouse of things and from it come good things but an evil man would have evil things that would come out. Matthew thirteen forty four. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. So it's like a treasury. It's like a, a storage unit that is out in the field. He found it. Now, it could be a uh, down in the ground. It could be a cave that's down in there that he found. But that's that same word that is being used there. Now, notice also that it is his treasure who brings out of his treasure. It's his. If I had one of the, if I was back then and I had one of these and it has a big old lock on it and it's made out of uh, metal or something solid, it would be mine. I would have the key to it, it, but it would belong to me. And the things that are in it belong to who? They would belong to me. These are mine because it is my treasury. He, this is, uh, Jesus is picking these words here. He is telling you this. A householder, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure. They're his. Do not spiritualize this. These are not God's treasures. These are yours. These are your things. You need to have things in your life that are treasured, but are things concerning the kingdom of heaven. We're not talking about, oh, I got this really great car. That's not what we're, that's not here. That's not concerning the kingdom of heaven. You need to have things in your treasury, in your storehouse, that are valuable to God, that he considers part of the kingdom of heaven, but have become yours. These are yours from which to do. You are the householder. If you are the householder, then you get to make the decisions about what happens to those treasures that you have. What you're going to do with them. Because you are the householder and it is your treasure. Just like the wise men, they brought their treasure to do what they wanted, which was to give it to to Jesus. Now, you all know little boys. Little boys have treasures. More so than little girls. Little girls can have treasures too, but not like little boys. Little boys were special, by the way. Just about anything that we find can be a valued treasure. The problem is that moms don't always understand this. And they look at some of our valued treasures as trash. This hurts us. Causes us great pain as we're growing up. Mom just says, tough. I thought it was trash. Oh, but it hurts us. You know, when I was growing up, tadpoles became a treasure. Worms became a treasure. Rocks, dirty things. 
things that my mom probably didn't even want to touch. But they are our treasure. And the bunk beds that we make, sometimes people, they, they like this shelf unit that we have. We have this shelf unit that we do because um, uh, in making bunk beds, especially down the shore, a lot of people wanted to get the queen bed on the bottom. And if you put a queen bed on the bottom, bunk bed, which is easy to do, uh, but a queen bed is longer than a twin bed and a full bed. And so that makes the bed up top, which is generally either twin or a full, it makes it extra long. And so then the people could go out and they could buy an extra long mattress to match the length of the, of the queen mattress that's down at the bottom. Or some people didn't want to do that. Some people did not want to spend the money. So uh, I came up with a, a shelf unit that we could put up on the top. It was fairly simple and actually cost less to buy the shelf unit than it was to buy the extra long mattress. And it would save them some money. And what I would tell them about it is uh, it was just it was a basically simple. It had two two uh, parts on the on the end that hold it up, and I dado out the part in the middle and put the shelf in there so it was fully supported. And put some plywood along in the back of it, and sanded it all down and had it all rounded over just like all the other things that we we make on the bunk bed. And so we would put it at a, a level that the mattress is about eight inches, and we get a few more inches above where that is. So I tell them what it what it makes is is a cup cubby hole underneath. They have a cubby hole that is almost a foot high and it goes back about five, five and a half inches and then it's as wide as the mattress is, full or twin, whatever you got. It's all that. I said, it, and the boys love it because this is their treasure box and you will find all kinds of fun things that they put inside this treasure because this becomes their storehouse and they will, they will do that. Now, girls will use it too, but the boys particularly use it. And we explain to them how the shelf is used and all the different things that can go on with that. But that would become that. And I'd get calls back. I'd get notes back from people. Oh, they just absolutely love the shelf. And then sometimes people would see the shelf on the website. Oh, can we get that on our shore? As long as you don't mind that the bed's going to be now six inches longer. Oh, we don't have that room. Yeah, that's all right. Most people don't always have that room for their thing. So we'll just make it the, the normal way. But uh, they like that idea for that treasure, that treasure spot. We got to have that little storage spot. We got to have that place to put those those special things. You got to have a place in your life to put some things to be adding treasure. That I know I'm going to go out. I'm going to get treasure. I'm going to get understanding on the kingdom of God. When I do, I need to take that. I need to put it here, and there's a purpose for it. We have to make sure that we stay with that. But little boys, we love our treasures. Girls have treasures too. We boys don't understand those treasures any more than they understand ours. I watch Lumi go around the house and she treasures things that... She treasures makeup, nail polish. And for the, her age, she's actually very good with it. And she knows she's good with it, so she will just open up a bottle at any time, anywhere. That to be, but she considers that a, a treasure. Now go try and take that away from her. She and if you ever see her come on in, you know she's always showing off her nails. See, that's a that's a, that's a treasure to, to her. You can tell when somebody treasures something because of the way that they act towards it, the way that they behave around it, the way they the way they honor the thing. But you need to become like a householder who has treasures to pull from. Put this in your outline for you. When the word of God has been sown in you and you dedicate yourself to understanding it and bring fruit, 
and you own it. This needs to be your treasure. All right, God put this principle in operation. God is the one who, who brought this thing about, but I understand it, I own, I know how to use that. That's what you got to get to. You got to get to the point where you take the things that Jesus taught, you take the things that Paul taught, these principles about the kingdom of heaven, you get them into your life, they're in your storehouse, you understand them, you've applied yourself to them, and I know when to pull that thing out and use it. A householder doesn't just use money. They also have tools and different things that are available to them to use in the, in the house. And what can we do to, to get this thing going? When you stay away from what is false and keep the seed pure from leaven and mustard seed, this is, this is t- taking that treasure to a new level. You've got to make sure you're going to take the things of the kingdom of heaven and have them be treasures. You've got to stay away from what is false. You've got to keep the seed pure. You've got to understand the purpose of the kingdom of heaven. You've got to understand its boundaries. Don't let what God put in the body of Christ for the purpose of good, don't let it be used for evil. Understand the purpose of it. How many times have people taken principles from the word and used it to beat people over the head? No, don't do that. That's not understanding the purpose of the thing. Just like the tree, the mustard uh, seed became a tree, it altered its purpose. Just like the bread was permeated with the leaven, it altered its nature. Make sure you stay within what God wants you to be. When you understand what the Lord did to obtain you and how much of a treasure you are to Him, oh, when you understand that, when you see how valuable you are, then you understand how valuable these principles are that he's giving you. And then we just follow his lead. We let the truths and the principles of the kingdom of heaven be a treasure to us. They are a treasure to Jesus. And they need to be a treasure to us. Take a look at this. From You, you know this verse of scripture. Acts chapter 3 verse 4. Speaking about the lame man. Fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us, or some translations, look on us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. What's he saying? That's not in my storehouse. The storehouse that I'm pulling from. I'm not pulling from a storehouse that has silver and gold. Silver and gold I do not have, but but what I do have I give you. What I do have I give you. In other words, he's saying, I got what Jesus was teaching. I have treasure and it's mine. It's mine. I am the householder. And as the householder, I can take from the treasures that I have and use them to accomplish the purpose of the kingdom of heaven. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. When you look at this story in the future, remember, this is the householder. He, Peter took what was his. He took from the treasures 
that he got from the principles that Jesus taught on the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. He took them out and he used them for the benefit of the kingdom of heaven because they were his. He didn't have to ask God's permission. He understood the principles. He knew how they were to work. He knew where to put them in. And when he was in this situation, he didn't go in there looking to do this. But apparently, it just seems like the the man was looking on him. He saw there was an opportunity. He knew how these principles worked. And he stepped out. He did what was his. What I have, he says. What I have. Acts 4.13 Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. What does that mean? It means they became a disciple of Jesus and the things that Jesus taught, the things that Jesus was, the things that Jesus had done had become a part of these men. And so just by looking at them, I can tell you were under Jesus. You were one of those who learned from Jesus. That's how it ought to be with us. People ought to be able to say, I know where your treasure came from. You've been with Jesus. That's what we need to get to. All right, one more word we got to look at here. And then he said to them, Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. That word, therefore, brings out, that's what we're going to look at here now. I wrote in your outline, sow. This is, this is sow, or you're, you're sowing, because this is what this, this word is. Let me uh, read you some of the other translations. Weiss translation puts it this way. Uh, because of this, every man learned in the sacred scriptures who has accepted the precepts and instructions with reference to the kingdom of heaven is like a man who is a master of a house who is of such a character that he dispenses with hearty enjoyment. He is of such a character that he dispenses with hearty enjoyment out of his treasure house. Out of his. These are my things These are things I have collected, but I am going to distribute them, and I am glad when I get to distribute them, when I find places to take these things out, who is of such a character that he dispenses with hearty enjoyment out of his treasure house, things new as to quality, and things mellowed with age by reason of use. Williams writes writes it this way, Every scribe who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a householder, who can bring out of his storeroom new furnishings as well as old. He can bring out of his storeroom. The ESV and the Amplified are right along in the same same thing here as, as brings out. The King James says brings forth. The word means, and the word is ekbalo. Now, I think I told you my history with, with uh, balo. Balo means to throw. Balo was one of the first words we learned in Greek class. I can still remember the day I sat in Greek class at the King's College and the professor was up there in the front and he was instructing us and he gave us the word balo. And so what you do when you're, I don't know, but you, that's what I do. I associate things. And so I associated balo with ball. What do you do with a ball? You throw it. So balo means to throw. Now ek means out. You combine them, it is to throw out. That is what this word is is meaning. So to throw out, to drive out, or to send out. 
some of the places where you can you can see this this go on. Matthew nine thirty eight. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the into the harvest. Luke ten thirty five. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, "Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I were I obviously copied the wrong one over on that one, unless it was unless it was the word departed. I didn't highlight it." Acts sixteen thirty seven. Paul said to them. They have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison, and now they want to put us out secretly? Uh Uh-uh. No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. Now, this can be a negative, forceful, even violent expulsion. It is used when demons are cast out and some evil and unwanted uh, things are removed. It can be, uh, it can be violent at times. As we get this thing to be out, it doesn't always have to be, but it can have that. But there's also the positive to send out without violence, to send out the, uh, the laborers into the harvest. There's no violence in there with that. But that is what this, this word is talking about. And I don't see any violence in how Jesus is using this word here. He is talking about taking what treasures you've got and going out and helping other people. Now, if you've ever been in a place in a position where you're trying to help other people? How many have ever encountered resistance? You're trying to help them and there's some resistance there so you might have to have a little bit more forcefulness. No, you will take this <laughs> and you will get some groceries. You will take this and you will pay the rent You will, you, and you're being a little forceful because of whatever the, the reason might be that's, that's there and they're not quite so willing to, to take that from you. This word was also used when the Holy Spirit drove Jesus out into the wilderness in Mark chapter 1. I don't know how much violence was there. Jesus was pretty willing to go along. But what you're doing here is you are, you are, you are thro- throwing out. there. So you're taking the, the treasury that you've got, the things that you have, and I'm not just keeping them for myself. Oh, here is a place. I, this can be, be helpful here. But what I have in here is mostly monetary things. What Peter did was he took something that wasn't monetary and he went out there and he helped those, helped the, that person who was lame. You also find times when Peter or Paul or different ones, they come into a city and they teach them. They minister to them. They do things to help them. They come on in, they take from what they have and they minister here. They're doing what Jesus had said to do here. Now, I put this in your outline for you. Don't be one who gives out of little boy treasures, but one who gives out from kingdom of heaven treasures. Don't accumulate things that little boys think are important. Don't accumulate things that little girls think are important. Accumulate things that the kingdom of heaven needs. That's what you want to be able to to do. You've got to step up. How many have ever um, had a, a time in their life where you ate a lot of fast food? And if you ate a lot of fast food, fast food didn't bother you as much, did it? But then sometimes you pull back from the fast food. I don't want to do the fast food anymore. I want to do healthier things. When I, pull, when I had the job with Kelsey's Horseradish, I was on the road most of the time. Um, a lot of times I was on the road two, three days uh, in a row. Uh, and the summer got going. I was away two days, came home long enough to reload, slept for a couple of hours, back out on the road. And so I ate out on the road all the time. 
But I remember when I was starting that route, and uh, when I began the, the shore route, and I had to go along and, and find all the things, well, the, uh, the person who ran it the year before was fired. He did not do a very good job. And so there was no one who had done the route who was familiar with it because he was gone. And so what they did was they took the owner of the company. His name was Mr. Slaymaker, sweet old man. I really had never worked with him at all. Uh, his, his son, Hank, was the one who actually ran the company, and he was the one I interacted with all the time. But I knew a Mr. Slaymaker, and Mr. Slaymaker, the, he was the founder of the South Jersey route that I, was, that I loved so much down there. He was the one who went out there the first time and said, you know, I think we can do something down there. And he went on down there, and he is a salesman, a very good salesman. Uh, he's also a talker. And so uh, they said, well, we need you to learn the route. We need you to get introduced to all the people. They know him. So we're going to send you out there with, with him. Now, he was an older man. Uh, I was extremely young. I was in my 20s. And I had a motor that went twice as fast as most people my age. And I had to take that motor and slow it down. I had to go very slow because he didn't move very fast. And so we developed a, a thing as we're going on out there. You can stay and you can talk with the people. I'll work. And so I hauled all the stuff out. I put all the stuff in. He sat there and he talked. But then we eventually got to the point where we were going to stop and eat somewhere. Now, I worked for this company for a little while. They put me over the road a few times. And I knew that uh, this time, this is in the 80s, I had an allowance that I was allowed to spend for food. That was $15 per day. $15 per day I was allowed to spend on food. And that was to cover breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I got it done. I didn't have to go over. And they knew that I stayed within this, this uh, turned on all the receipts, you know, I'd go over to the Wawa and pick up a breakfast sandwich and I'd uh, uh, find something fast to get for, the, for lunch. And I, I, didn't, I didn't stay down long. I, I got that thing, ate it, 15 minutes. I, locked, I clocked out for 15 minutes. The person who ran the, you always clock out for lunch. You know, the other drivers, they don't clock out for lunch. And I know they eat. They turn in the receipts. But you always clock out for lunch. And she was amazed that I did not. I clock out for 15 minutes. And I would, I'd be moving on. And so um, we're going, this is how I, I, this is my routine with them. But here we are. I'm out with the, basically the owner of the company. This guy owns it. There's only so much I can tell him to do. He owns the place. And so he wants to stop for lunch. But he doesn't stop for lunch where I stop for lunch. He stops. He, he's willing to stop for lunch at a diner. So we stopped for lunch at a diner. You know, now you got to put the order in and wait for the order to come. And, uh, and instead of, you know, uh, staying within the, the realm of where I'm supposed to be, we blew that out at lunch. <laughs> it's all gone. Every bit was gone by lunchtime. And uh, I'm thinking, what are we going to do here? And so then we got to the place we got. Remember, we got down to Cape May, New Jersey. And we were staying overnight there, and there was this restaurant. It's not there anymore. I've driven by it. It's not there. There's this restaurant called the Blue Claw. And so he wanted to eat at the Blue Claw. It's one of our customers. And so he wanted to eat at the Blue Claw. So uh, it's the boss. So we get in the truck. We head on over to the Blue Claw. We sit on down. This is a restaurant that has white tablecloths. They greet you 
with a suit. I believe the, 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 the main guy who greeted you, I think he had a tuxedo on. Is this giving you an idea? This is not the place that I usually go. And so we go on in and we sit on down and we're at the table and I'm looking at the menu. <laughs> so I, I let him order first and I tried to stay under that, that area of ordering. And so uh, it's my job to do all the paperwork for the thing. So I'm collecting all the receipts. And I'm writing up, all right, you know, this is the expenses and this is all that. And so when I got to the point and they were, were turning it in, I turned in the expenses and I turned it in the lady and says, I'm sorry. <laughs> and she, what are you talking about? Do you all understand? And so she, uh, she, she, she went around, she did all their stuff and she came back to me like she's laughing. She says, oh, now I know what you mean. <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Slaymaker doesn't eat at the places that you usually do. <laughs> he said, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Once he's all done with uh, showing you the stuff, then you just go back to what you were doing. And I did. I went back to the, what I was doing before. I'd go over to the Wawa and I'd get a, you know, one of the little hoagies and I'd eat that. And, and I'd go in the nighttime. I'd have I've had some, some kind of a pizza. Something like that. And I stayed within $15. I started with that budget in the 80s. And I was still working off the same budget in the 90s because I never asked if I could increase it. When I left them for a year and they had somebody else, uh, uh, actually had two people take over the, the route for me. And uh, they had to pay two people to be on the road. And they were on the road twice as long as I was. So when I came back, uh, after a year I came back and they said, take the route back and take more days. They gave me four days and they said, spend more money on the food. So I spent more money on the food. And um, it was it was a it was a nice experience there. But how many of y'all know if you don't eat at the Blue Claw and the diners, or if you do eat there, if you, that's the kind of meal that you eat. And then someone says we're going to eat at McDonald's or Arby's. That doesn't set well with you, does it? It 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 doesn't. This is this is what we have to understand. If we are going to put things that are treasured into our storehouses, then we have to stop feasting at the fast food places. Because one of the parables that Jesus gave us was, as it is measured to you, and we have spent some time on that, you need to give, when you get that seed that's there inside, you need to spend some time with it. You need to extract everything you can out of that seed that was put in there because God says, as you deal with the seed that I'm giving you, that's how more seed comes. If you're going to give it your full attention, I'm going to give you some more. If you're not, then you're not going to get so much. As you have, uh, as you have measured it, it'll be measured back to you. We we spent some time on that particular thing. But if you, <clears throat> if you keep only going to McDonald's, then your treasure box is going to be filled with um, Big Macs and large fries. That's what you're going to have to give, because that's all you got down the inside of you. You've got to see, I've got a treasure down the inside. And if I don't put serious things, serious kingdom things down the inside, I'm not going to have serious kingdom things to give. If you've got things that are taught, that are more philosophy, more man's wisdom, more just talking about the word, instead of getting into the word of God, you're not going to have the things that are important for the kingdom of God. Don't have little boy treasures. 
have kingdom of heaven treasures. Our quote today said, there are two ways of exerting one's strength, pushing down or pulling up. You've got the treasures from the word of God. You can either beat people up with them or you can build them up. That was uh, Booker T. Washington said that. Now, the rest of these verses are not here by accident. Let me read these over for you. Verse 50, uh, where do we leave off here? I, I put too much of it in there. Verse 53, now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. Now it seemed like he's moved on to another thing, right? But watch, what, watch these verses. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Hosea, and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Now we're all familiar with that verse of scripture. But they're amazed. Where did this man Get this. We're hearing filet mignon, but we thought he only had access to Mickey D's. Where did he get all this stuff from? I don't understand. Uh, this kind of wisdom didn't come out of Joseph or Mary. This kind of didn't come out of his brothers. They don't have that kind of wisdom. How is it that Jesus comes out with this kind of wisdom? How is it that these kind of miracles are following his ministry? What is going on? What is the source? And so they couldn't figure out the source of where it came from, so they were very suspicious. We, I love the way he phrases this, verse 53, and it came to pass that when Jesus finished these illustrations, he soldier-like broke up camp and departed from that place, and having come into his own hometown, he went to teach them in their synagogue so that they were flabbergasted and were saying, what is the source of this wisdom and these miracles? Is not this the carpenter? The son of the carpenter is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James. And uh, let's jump on down here to 57. And they saw in him that of which they disapproved. And they saw in him that of which they disapproved and that which hindered them from acknowledging his authority. Well, that's a lot more descriptive than offended, isn't it? That which they disapproved and that which hindered them from acknowledging his authority. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without a correct evaluation of his worth with a corresponding deference and respect which is his due except in his own country and in his own house. Well, that sure is a lot more than just honor, isn't it? The correct evaluation of his worth. And he did not perform there many miracles because of their unbelief. So what does Jesus do? Jesus is going out to his home country and he's taking from his store box or his store's house, isn't he? And he is giving teaching. He is giving miracles. He is giving the things that he has. But the people are not receiving it. But he, is, he's, he has just taught all these things to the disciples and now he's going out and he's demonstrating it. Here I am. I'm giving this out. Now understand, when you give out from the storehouses, when you give out from the treasury, not everybody's going to want to hear it. Not everybody's going to want to receive it. So he gave them from what he had. They couldn't understand the source. And that, uh, that bothered them. They needed to understand the source. 
Now, we know the obvious sources in his life. We've seen them. Don't quite understand how that's going to, how you got it from here. But Jesus has gone to the Father. That's his source. Who filled his storehouses and his treasury from the word. And as we put it, instead of they were offended at him and they saw in him that of which they disapproved. That of which they disapproved and that which hindered them from acknowledging his authority. When people devalue you, they will also reject your treasure. Even when they see and understand its superiority from what they have had before. People may hear what you teach, just like they heard with Jesus. This is better than anything we've ever heard, but we're not sure about some things, so we're going to reject it. But they not only rejected his anointing to teach, they also rejected his anointing to minister healing and miracles. And they didn't receive those things. Now, if people can reject Jesus at the level that he ministered at, at the level of treasure he had, if they can do that, don't be surprised when they start rejecting you. Now, I wonder about this. Why would people go to fast food on their own when you want to treat them to a steakhouse? When I was going around with Mr. Slaymaker, there was no reason for me to drop him off at the Blue Claw and let him enjoy his meal while I go over and get a slice of pizza. There was no reason for that. But people, they will be out there. They will cut that off. But you make sure yourself, get your palate increased. and Don't be satisfied with fast food word anymore. Get out there and, and dig into it. Now, you don't have to be a, have a treasure equal to Jesus, Paul, even Peter, in order to bring helpful things to people. I'm going to give you seven things. Seven things to become a great householder. You can write in as much of this as you want to. I gave you a start here. But there are seven things you can do from the teachings of the parables that Jesus has just finished. Seven things. First off, have a treasure box. That's the first thing. Have a storehouse. Have yourself a place to store the things that you got. Write them down. Put them someplace where you can go and get them. But have a storehouse. Have a treasure box. Second, fill it with Bible or kingdom principles. Be on the search for kingdom principles. Just like the uh, parable, the man was on the look lookout for treasure. He was on the lookout for pearls. And he found the one of great price. Be on the lookout. I am out to find kingdom principles. I am out to find understanding of the prince, better understanding of the principles I already have. I am out to to find these things. And the only way I'm going to find it is to be hearing the Word of God taught on a regular basis. Understand, here's number three. Understand and walk in those principles. Once you get them, understand them, dedicate yourself to understand them, and walk in those principles. See, we're not doing anything different than those parables. Just summarizing it for you. Number four, use your lamp for its purpose. Now there we stepped out. We went over to the lamp parable that he gave. But use the lamp for its purpose. The lamp is to come in and to give you illumination. Don't put it under a bed where it causes damage. starts a fire. Don't put it under a bushel where it gets extinguished. But take that lamp and bring it out and let it be a light to you. Let it be a light to the people that are around you. Use your lamp for its purpose. 
Fifth, sow the seed you have and don't prejudge the soil. Sow the seed you have. Take the seed, take the treasure that you've got. Don't be looking, well, I got to increase it. I got to get better. No, take the treasure that you've got and be sowing it out into people. Be looking for opportunities to, to give that. Don't ever find an opportunity and say, well, God, I just don't have time today. Uh, no, if you've got an opportunity, you better make time because the kingdom principles are the most important. And how is God going to give you more if you weren't using what you got? Sow the seed you have. Don't prejudge the soil. Number six, guard from what is false, corrupted, or what will hinder. Guard from what is false, corrupted, or what will hinder. And growth will come and be beneficial. Keep away from what is false. Keep away from what is corrupted. Don't let the leaven of the Pharisees get in. Don't let the seed become something it wasn't intended. Don't let the birds come and make nests in your branches. Guard from what is false, corrupted, or what will hinder. And growth will come and be beneficial. Here's the seventh one. Refuse devaluation from people who can't or won't value kingdom treasures. Don't let people who don't know the value of kingdom treasures tell you what your value is or tell you what your treasures are worth. They don't value them. We wouldn't take their evaluations of a car. Don't take their evaluations of the things of the kingdom of heaven. This is a series of parables that he did on the kingdom of heaven. And each one was building on a different principle. But we can culminate them together. And you are a householder. You have a treasure. You are also a sower. And you need to take from that treasure that you've got and you need to sow. And you need to put that out there. Find people. Don't be de- de- determining. Well, I'm not going to spend time with this one. They're not good soil. Don't be prejudging the soil. Go out there and find the people that you can, you can minister to. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for your word that is in us. I thank you for the treasures that are around us that we can we can find, we can discover, we can study out, and we can make them our own. And we can put them in our treasure box. We can put them in our storehouse. And we can have things to pull from to help the people that are around us. Because you have called us to make a difference in this world. We are to be lamps. We are to be salt. We are to be light. And you've equipped us to be able to do it. So I thank you for the power of God that is in the treasure that we have on the inside of us. That we are not just to have that treasure and just hoard it up for ourselves, but we are to take from that treasure and look for places to sow it. Because the more we sow the treasure that we have, the more treasure you send our way. I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, today is Mother's Day. Do make sure you treasure the moms that you have around you. Sometimes, because of people that are familiar, we look at the treasure, the, the parable of the treasure, the parable of the pearl. We sometimes get a little clatter because of the dirt that might be around there because we've become familiar with them. Don't let, don't let that hinder you from seeing the treasure. Be like God. You can see treasure wherever it is.
Tomorrow we have the, the links going up for the parts three and four. I have done a search. I can't see that there is a part five on this particular series. So Brother Charles Capps, parts three and four. I, I like this mostly because uh, you're, you're getting four teachings on Brother Capps and he's not going to repeat himself as much because he's doing these in succession in the same place. So I hope you enjoy it and appreciate the comments we got from, from uh, some of the folks so far on the, on the first two. The other ones are up there. Some of you may have already wandered up there and had found them. I put up one on Thursday and the other one went up, I believe, yesterday. And some of the people have gone out there to already see that. But they are there for you if you want to check them out on out uh this wednesday night we won't be having service and nor the wednesday after that it's uh, uh announced to you before it's in your bulletin as well ethel is going to be ministering at a next sunday so uh, we've been trying to get her to come on up here for for a little while and wednesday nights has been tough but sunday's a little bit easier so she has uh, some things prepared that she's going to be teaching us on and uh love for you to get to hear her uh way of of looking at Scripture, how God talks to her. Because God talks to her different than He talks to me, just like He talks to you different than He talks to both of us. And somehow the way that God is telling her some things can open up eyes for you on something that you've been struggling with yourself. So that's going to be uh, next Sunday. That will be going on. I know you'll all be out here to to help her and support her. And uh, we will be back uh, sometime during the next week and, so we'll, and here the following Sunday. And we'll be picking up on some more of the parables. Bless some of the folks that are around you. Moms, we got some uh, roses for you to uh, depart with. And uh, I believe Lamar and Mandy. Uh, Lamar, somebody has them on out there in the back. So you can, uh, yep, there he is. He's got them out there in the back. You can pick the colors that you like. And uh, we enjoyed you joining with us today. Have a great rest of the day.